Drumming. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and this week I'm talking with Atlanta drummer Danny Paschal. Danny is primarily a metal drummer and has played on projects led by Mastodon's Brent Hines and guitar wizard Emil Wurstler, and is in the house band for Metalsome Mondays, a live band metal karaoke in Atlanta. But he's not just a metal drummer, he also plays in tribute and top 40 acts, spanning many genres and eras, and has been heavily involved in different types of improvisational and experimental music, most notably with the late Colonel Bruce Hampton and bassist Kevin Scott. We would appreciate your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer and a donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content from our former guests. Think of this as professional development for drummers, all useful and actionable lessons for the working pro. We're populating new content regularly and as little as $1 a month gets you access to all of it. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can also make a one-time donation through PayPal. There are links for both on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. While you're there, you can learn more about this episode and check out our archive of over 300 episodes. Also, please subscribe to Working Drummer Podcast on your platform of choice. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, however you listen, please leave us a rating and review. This helps new listeners find us. Our latest Patreon content features me. There's a new video there of me outlining a great warm-up routine I've been doing for close to 10 years now. There's so much out there that is billed as a warm-up when it's in fact more of a workout or a chop builder or something you should do after you actually warm up. So what's in that video is designed to wake up your hands and arms if they're totally cold and get them ready for the higher demands of actual drumming. Also great stuff on there from Ash Sohn, Don Perry, Joe Bergamini, Stephen Chopek, and Chuck Palmer, talking about specific songs they've tracked drums for and all the technical and creative aspects of those recording processes. You can get access to this and the rest of our Patreon content for as little as $1 a month, so check that out. We'd really appreciate your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash working drummer. So Danny has a wide range of tastes and interests, musically and otherwise, and a huge frame of reference for all kind of music and media. His career path is an interesting mix of the very specific and precise with the completely free and sometimes completely out. His approach to drumming and music reflects those two worlds, sometimes keeping them very separate, sometimes combining them in interesting and cool ways. As you'll hear, he's a hell of a drummer and a hell of a character, so let's get to it with Danny Pascal. You said you were playing some CCR tonight? Yeah, it's basically like, uh, you know, it's the Georgia Players Guild thing, and it's right. going to be like, it's one of the many tributes that they do, and... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I just just two and four the entire time, right? You know, right? And uh, dry drums, totally. You know, the whole the whole shebang. How many shows do they have now? Is it like a dozen? It's a lot. I mean, you know, that we've done Zeppelin, we've done Queen, we've done. uh, it's too many to count right I now mean, there, at this there, point. There's there's the Bowie thing. Bowie. There, uh, there's yeah. a Petty thing. Petty. Um, yeah, it's it's been a lot over the years. I mean, they did Huey Lewis and Hall, Hall and Oates at one time. I wasn't in the band at that point, but uh, it's it's been a lot. We've done the Beach Boys. We've done Chicago. It's it's Man. it's it's a lot of ground to cover and. Yeah. You know, CCR the of of all those shows, it's a lot. It's it's got to be at least up to thirty sh- uh, shows. The ones that keep getting called back all the time are are CCR and Queen, mm. and you know, <clears throat> CCR is you know, I mean, drumming wise, it's not too big a deal because it's just like you're just kind of keeping right. time a lot of the time. And it's 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 what's cool about it is that like you have to, or at least just the the show the the whole. Concept of the band, at least, is that like to me is like you have different drumming styles to cover. Like, say with Queen, you know, Roger Taylor doesn't really get a lot of like he doesn't he never gets talked about much. Like one of my favorite or my favorite thing that he does is like when he plays a backbeat, like when he he, he opens the hi hat like just a smidge, like a little stab when he hits the backbeat, uh-huh. like, but you know, kind of yeah, like that kind of a yeah, vibe yeah. and. It's it's really hip. I mean, like if you listen carefully to it, he does it a lot. Yeah, and he he covered a lot of ground with that band because, like, you know, I mean, the the songwriting was so sort of all over the map. Um, you know, between between Freddie's songwriting and you know Brian May's um, guitaring and arranging and and all yeah. that shit. I mean, Roger Taylor really had to. <laughs> Yeah, no. Keep up with them. And I mean and sing as well, which yeah. which I don't do. I mean I I mean I could, but I suck. But you know, I could certainly get better. Right. But um uh I mean there was a, there's only been like one time in my life where I've ever really had to like do background vocals and again, it was it was when I, <clears throat> excuse me, years ago when I was touring with Ike Willis from Zappa. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Like, and, and again, like we would do some songs that where Terry Bozio would play drums and Bozio wouldn't sing. He would just be screaming. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So it was like, I could do that. Right. That's easy. Right. Perfect you know for what you. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so now, I mean, but it does, it does like show a lot. I do eventually want to get to a point to where I can like at least provide decent sounding background. Yeah. Levels, you know? I'm, I'm getting there myself. Like, uh, in, in Ruby Vell and the Sulfonics, I'm starting to take on a little more, uh, uh, BGV duties, um, yeah. behind them. And it's, it's hard, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a whole other, uh, I remember when, um, Levon Helm was on Letterman and he was talking with Letterman and Letterman asked him like, is it, is it hard to, uh, you know, play drums and sing at the same time? And you kind of expected Levon to say something like, uh, you know, I've been doing it for years. I, you know, I'm used to it now. It's, but he just looked at Letterman and he said, it's incredibly hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that he didn't bullshit. Um, I, I mean, he is just, he's, he's like one of the greatest of all time. Oh I mean, yeah. Like just, I mean, it, I mean, in my opinion, the greatest singing drummer of all time. I would agree. Uh, like he, like there was a, there was a video I found on Instagram of him, uh, 
don't you do it don't you break my heart like right. he was like doing some really cool ghost note thing like like with his left hand and yeah. while singing and i'm just like Stop. yeah it's un- unbelievable it. like how <laughs> it was like he his drumming could be so subtle and so nuanced and it, he it never seemed like he hit very hard you know, and there was just all kinds of like touch and nuance in his playing. And, but then, you know, from the neck up, he's just like wailing, yeah. <laughs> like his yeah. life depended on it Unreal, with man. the singing. Um, so anyway, this, so the Georgia Players Guild thing is like one half of the, the Jacob Deaton, uh, uh, you know, enterprise. <laughs> enterprise. And, and, uh, yeah, it's like you have Georgia Players Guild and then Forever Young, which is basically, it's like top forty wedding band. Top right? forty wedding band, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, corporate, you know, that type of a vibe, and it's re- it's fun. I mean, like we get to do a lot of, um, you know, it's it's an ex- expand. It started out as like an eighties thing, and then it expanded to like, the nineties and beyond. Right, just whatever the band's got to be for a certain client. And and we've we've thrown in some cool we've thrown in some cool tunes in there. Like he, uh, we put in uh, spirits in the material world. Oh wow, in there, and it's just like uh, that's super fun. And uh, uh, certainly uh, an odd police song, but also a really fun one. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, so both of those bands run by the great Jake Deet. Uh, he <laughs> has uh, carved out a niche for it. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. And a lot and, of lot of hustle on that boy. Yes, indeed. And um, um, they both, yeah, and they both work, you know, solidly. And and have been doing it. It's been going for about, I think, like f- five or six years. Yeah, close maybe. to it. Close to it. So my my main question for you, when it surrounds that stuff, is, you know, you're, like you're a metal guy. Yes. At your core, that that's just your blood type, and mm. I think that's what you're best at. I mean, you're good at a whole lot of shit. But sure, that's, sure. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of think of you the way I would think of a jazz drummer, like, you know, sometimes you get to do what you really are put here to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the time you do other shit, just like, yes. the, you know, most of the rest of us. Yes. So like <clears throat> to, to what extent do you get, well, okay. Before we get into the, the whole dichotomy of this shit, like what is keeping you busy in the metal world these days? <laughs> right now, uh, the one i mean the main the main steady right now is metalsome monday which is basically live band karaoke and it's been an institution essentially that's been going on for this year it's been going on for 19 years i joined on in november of 2020 you know like when the while the pandemic was still going on like they were kind of, they were dormant you know, for the for the first few months of it. And then come September, they were like, all right, we're going to open it back up or whenever it was. And uh, the the main guy, Curtis, his bass player, he he uh, <clears throat> put out a thing saying we need a drummer for Mondays. And, you know, I was just like, I'm not doing anything right you now. And, and, <laughs> and, and it's 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 cool. I mean, like, you know, the and it's a big list too it's like at least yeah. like 60 plus songs and there's um half of them i knew from growing up you know right. what i mean like there's some stuff on there like you know there's a bunch of metallica on there that i know you know soundgarden smashing pumpkins like there's stuff on there that i knew just that is just ingrained in my head right from growing up and then other stuff i had to learn because 
you know, it's like it's not that it was hard, but it's just remembering like little details here and there. You right, know what I mean? So, right. And but, was there was there modern stuff that you had to get hip to? Because like you're a few years younger than me, but I feel like we both kind of came up in that late '90s. I uh, I um. Yeah, like like there was some like the, I'm trying to think like the most modern quote modern thing at this point is probably like like the most modern thing that they have on the list is Slipknot. Really? Yeah. So like the the song Psychosocial like that's on there. Huh. And uh and that's a fun one to play. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, it's uh <clears throat> like They've, they've, that, that, like, it, it goes up to like the 2000s, like, I guess you would, like, I guess you should, ca- I guess you could call it new metal or whatever, mm-hmm. which that era, honestly, kind of, eva- I've uh, sort of evaded that era. Uh huh. You know, cause to me, it was like, well, I've, I've already heard Rage Against the Machine. You know what I mean? <laughs> this stuff is like Diet Coke Rage Against the Machine <laughs> to me. Even though, like, Slipknot is totally not that, but at the same time, like, it's like a lot of that other stuff, I was just, you know, because by that point I was like, you know, listening to uh, I was listening to like different, you know, m- music in metal or otherwise, you know. What right. I mean? Right. So, and like, can you I, I remember you and I had a conversation a couple months ago um, and it was at uh, Elliott Street and, and we were just talking about different metal bands. And this is when I knew that I was like completely out of the metal loop. Right. Like uh-huh. I've I've been pretty out for a while because I, you know, I played metal in high school and that was pretty much it. Right. But <laughs> you, you mentioned some, I, some band, I forgot what it was. And, and you were like, uh, yeah, but that band's basically gent. And I was like, what it's, it's what now you said gent. And I was like, what does that mean? And you went gent, 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 gent. <laughs> so this is like a whole, uh, yeah. a whole thing, you know, a whole a section of, of uh, modern metal that I was completely oblivious to. Well, I mean, well, you know, I mean, Meshuggah essentially started that whole thing. Okay. And Meshuggah, and they're still the, the kings of it. Like Thomas Hawk or however you say his last name. I mean, it's just like, just incredible. Yeah. Like they're, they're like one of the best bands to see live ever. And there are so many bands. It's, it's interesting too, like how like 30 years ago, like they started that, they were doing what they did. And yeah. now all these bands are, there's a lot of other bands that are catching up to them now. And so, what are those bands? I mean, uh, you know, like the, well, a bands that kind of followed in their wake, at least like you have between the buried in me. That's really good. Um, my buddy, Eric, uh, Gunther's a guitar player that we played in a prog metal band a couple years ago um, called From Exile. He is in a band playing keys, oddly hmm. enough, a metal band with keys, can you believe it, called The Contortionist, and huh. they're really good. They're like Meshuggah if they had more um, melody to them, because uh-huh. is just like pure raw power and like, blah, you know, <laughs> that kind of a vibe. But, um, and yeah, and then there's a lot of other like different sort of copycat, you know, bands that, that, you know, kind of follow in that, in that wake, I guess. Right. And so where does Mastodon sit in this constellation? Oh, that's, they're, they're a completely different type of thing because they kind of have, they're like a mishmash to me. They're a mishmash of like all the coolest parts of metal. Like you have like a lot of progressive sounding stuff like uh you know like 
that like they mentioned that you know the, like you can hear like kind of progressive stuff like King Crimson, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Tool sort and Meshuggah, obviously. But then like there's like they have a gr- the, you know their early stuff was like super grindcore, kind of like you know Napalm Death and Pig <laughs> Destroyer, whatever you, you know. Some of the, yeah. the carcass and uh, um and then but then there's also they have strong melody to them too, and mm-hmm. they've grown stronger in melody over the years but like it's a it's a mishmash of like they have like a and they and they do the concept album concept album thing too right not like over like the wall but like you know each album has like a this one is a water theme and this one is an earth theme and da 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 so like yeah like to me they're they embody like the cool the coolest aspects of that genre to me so, right and know. i mean they're from they're from atlanta and they're from atlanta they you, should loom, get, you should talk to bron daler man he's 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 killing i should they he's loom killer. large here right yes um and you've so like you've recently gotten to start playing with is it's brent hines yeah right? brent hines yeah, yeah yeah so how long did you know him before like how did the opportunity um, to play with him come beginning about? of march <laughs> you just met him <laughs> yeah no shit essentially what happened was uh i drum which it's a is an experimental art space. Right. Uh, one of the owners, if not the owner, uh, a fellow by the name of Will Lawless, he uh, came to my. Uh, I had a birthday hang early this year, and he came and he's and he asked me if my band wanted to play his oyster roast. Twin Criminal. Twin Criminal. Okay, yes. Yeah. Sorry, and that's an original band of mine, and they're that's not as metal, but it's a little bit more like kind of like I'm trying to think like um, like Fugazi meets Queens of the Stone Age kind of vibe, I guess, if I were to describe it as anything. Did you see Airheads? Do you remember that movie? I did. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I have one of these conversations to try to describe music, I just cut back to Steve Buscemi sitting there with his fake machine gun, and he's like, "It's like power slot, but with an edge." <laughs> <laughs> It's been a while since I watched that one, but I remember as a kid I used to watch it a lot. It's a it's a gem. Anyway, I digress. Continue. No, but but um, <clears throat> Will he asked me if my if Twin Criminal wanted to play there, and I said yeah, absolutely. And then he got back to me and he said, "Hey, you you guys are set to play. Uh, you guys are actually going to be opening for Brent's uh, side project that he never you know he rarely plays with because he's with Mastodon all the time." Right. And I'm like, cool. And then he contacts me the week of, and he was like, hey, man, so Brent's drummer can't make it. Can you play with Brent? I'm like, what? You know, like, yeah. So, like, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, it was it was cool, man. I mean, and and uh, and so I got to go to his house and, and you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm in Brent Hines' house. This is weird. Yeah. Was you it know? was it hard to not go uh, uh, Chris Farley on him? <laughs> like fanboy or yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, it's just, I, I kept all that to myself. You know, he was just like, you know, but he was, no, he was super accommodating and like, you know, just, you know, we worked through some songs that he was, um, that he had done before and, ones that he was just kind of writing on the fly yeah. that eventually would become what I recorded like two weeks later, like wow. two weeks later, he asked me if I wanted to, rec- he was doing a solo record. So he asked me to do a solo record and that's, that was- Oh shit, man. That's great. I didn't know that. I knew you yeah. had played with him a bit like for yeah. some live stuff, but yes, it was, it's, it's, it's cool, man. I mean, like he, like I said, you know, super cool, you know, 
you know, I'd, I'd ask him, oh, man, can I use your bathroom? He's like, yeah, man, just piss in the yard. <laughs> you know, just. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was so fun. He was just like, he'd be, <laughs> this isn't, and this is just, it was just, you know, he, he had woken up for on the first rehearsal. He'd clearly, like, woken up from a long nap or something. Uh-huh. And he's just like, he's, he's, uh, he's gearing up to play this song, whatever it is. He's just like. Man, I've, uh, man, what is this song? And then he looks at me. He's like, "How does this song go?" I'm like, <laughs> it, it was, it was like, what? So, like, how does how does his side project uh, differ from the Mastodon stuff? And and it's, I mean, it sounds like you got to take a little bit of a role in in um, you know uh, manifesting it all yeah. in terms of your drum parts and. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Like it's 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 more. Um, it's more uh, sort of country, not like tra- sort traditional country. It's like power slot, but with an edge. Power slot with an edge, but but <laughs> no, like it's slightly country, slightly rockabilly, blues oriented, a little bit more, most definitely. But there's still he still has the orange amplifier and just you know, blah, just blasting, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. uh, um. Yeah, you know, there's the it's there was some cool stuff on there. Like there's there's like a banjo jam that's on there. That's very like what I'm trying to think of, like a I'm blanking on banjo players, but I don't know. Bela Fleck. Uh, Not Bela Fleck, but like, well, you know, banjo, (laughs) traditional banjo. So Earl Scruggs like that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it was cool. Like I I got to go to West end where they have West end sound Mm -hmm. recording where they do, where they record their records. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I got to kind of be Jim Keltner for a second, oddly enough, because, because he, and that's one of my favorite drummers, actually, you wouldn't think it as a, as a a metal drummer but like you know jim and jim keltner is like one of my favorite drummers ever yeah and you know because there were there were some moments where i would you know it's like it doesn't call for a regular beat mm-hmm. you know, you do like the shaker in one hand and the and left hand on like you know some bongos or whatever just to kind of you know create different sounds wow I wouldn't. I wouldn't have guessed any of this. Uh, whether it's you know what he's doing as his side project, or or the fact that uh, Keltner is one of your guys. Oh yeah, no. I mean, most definitely. Like, there's a dude. There's another guy um, around here who's local that I um, named Alex Gordon, who I've played with for a couple of years now, on and off. And he's a baritone guitar player, kind of Charlie Hunter style, mm-hmm. where he'll play the melody and everything else. Yeah, and finger picking style and he's really good and he writes songs that are very cartoon-esque in a way like they you they wouldn't be out of a place in like a cartoon network show or like on a a commercial of something you know what i mean like a weird commercial and uh yeah i mean like the 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 two things that i recorded with him i would always you know do some uh uh, Jim, like, I guess Keltner oriented stuff. Like there's like one song where I'm literally doing this, <laughs> right? The little, the curly three stooges. Right. Thing. Right. Like, like the, like the rhythm was like, Holy shit. That's, 
like something like that, yeah, you yeah. know, doing stuff like that. Cause he, cause he, he would, he would tell me, this is Alex. He would tell me, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the snare's too much. No, snare's too much. I'm playing like on the, on the, on the head of the snare too much. Rim click of the drum too much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. yeah. But, but, but something else out. right. Exactly. But, um, but getting back to, to, um, he's a, he's a cool dude. Check him out. Uh, but getting back to Brent, uh, I mean, there's definitely stuff on there that's a little heavier, more backbeat oriented and right. bluesy. Like there's a blues shuffle thing on there and, you know, yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm looking to, looking forward to hear how it, how it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So in, in terms of the opportunities, uh, you've gotten and, and are getting that are like pure metal, like you mentioned the metal, some Mondays thing, uh-huh. but, um, Emil, Emil Wurstler, Emil, yeah. Emil, Emil, Emil Wurstler. Yeah. Does he live in Austin? He lives in Nashville. Okay. He's from Dothan, Alabama, and he is oh, a just bad like, boy. I didn't know he was from Dothan. Just oh, like yes. Kevin. All the bad boys are from Dothan, oh, baby. And, and he <laughs> Kevin is a, Scott. Okay. Uh, yes, Kevin of Scott. We can't. We can't. I'd be remiss. No, we'll get to him. Uh, yeah, no, Emil is a. I've I've known him since the early days of the Five Spot Jam, and and uh. He, you know, and so when he was with Doth, who, which is a great under underrated, like technical, I guess you'd call it technical death metal right. band. Um, and he's just a just a massive talent. Yeah. And I mean, he like in, in terms of, um, uh, you know, like complicated guitar guys, he's he's one of the. He's one of the dudes, right? Oh yeah, like no, for, he's if, most definitely one of the dudes. Like he, he has his favorite guitar player of all time is Django Reinhardt, <laughs> and you can hear that in his playing, a hundred percent. Like and and he's one of my favorite guitar players too. So I mean, I totally get it. And, yeah. And he he brings that style to this metal shred, you know. Yeah. yeah. And and it's just absolutely ridiculous. So. He, he played with Doth. He eventually went on to play with Chimera, and then that band broke up. And uh, he asked me, you know, if I wanted to record on his. It's not a solo record, but it's like a a a, a band, like a legit band mm-hmm. or project moniker, whatever you want to call it, called Verlorner. V e r, yeah, Verlorner, and. Um, it's very kind of film musicy, huh? Like, 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 kind of Nine Inch Nails meets Gypsy Jazz guitar meets like, yeah, like Ennio Morricone kind of vibe. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, is the, this out? Can people listen to this? Yes, or, okay. it's called Verlorn or V E R L O. R E N E R. Jesus. Okay. I believe that's what. Yeah. yeah. Verlorener. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's a self-titled record, and I, I was I'm on two tracks on it, but there's like also uh, two guys that you interviewed before, Darren Stanley oh, and yeah. Marlon Patton oh, those are fuckers. on it. Yeah. And and it's just yeah I know. And and uh, I will say the um, number one drummer that everybody needs to find out who he is, is Kina Boto. Hmm. And Kina is like one of the world's greatest drummers of all time, 
hundred percent. Yeah. And nobody knows who he is. Yeah. And he needs to be known. He he <laughs> He's uh, on that record too? He is. He 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 plays percussion on that record and he makes his own percussion instruments and and just plays them amazingly. Like you can see him playing jazz too. Mm-hmm. And like just doing like I remember like back in the early days of the five spot jam, like when he would be in there was one time where he was in the house band and he would just do just do these random things that like you can't do that. You can't get away with that. <laughs> like he would it would just play the gig with just a you know kick snare and his hi-hat was like down to here i don't you know for those it's like a low boy almost. it's very very low boy yeah. like where it's like <laughs> underneath the snare and i'm like dude what what no no <laughs> but yes he's doing it and 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 yeah man i mean yeah he's keen the shit so but so you, but like, yeah this record is it's it's a really cool record for Lorner. It, it like um take a shot every time you hear it in this, in this podcast. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, it's a really cool record for those that are, that are into like instrumental metal. Yeah. And, uh, still a lot of great talent on it. Yeah. You know, Kevin Scott is also on it sure. as well. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and he got to, he put that on tour, which is, I'm sure what you were going to get to, like he was playing, Emil was doing double guitar with Tony McAlpine. Um, and they were touring, you know, they did a big long tour and, 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 uh, midway through the second leg of it, he somehow, I guess he got Tony to like say, Hey, you know, let me have my band have Verlorner open up for you mm-hmm. because this is like a thing that he'd been wanting to get out in the open for a couple of years and so then he asked me, he asked me kind of on a whim, like t- two weeks before the gig or two weeks before it started. Yeah. Like, hey, man, can you do this? You know, because he had asked another drummer and he's just like, this, this other guy is not, he, he, he sucks, man. Can you please, <laughs> please, for the love of God, give yeah, me, yeah. you know, I'm like, yeah. So this is cool. And, and, and this is the beginning of 2020. And, you know, just a, just a, like the coolest, coolest group of fellas ever yeah you know and yeah. and just and and um ryan knight from black dahlia murder was the second guitar player in the verloriner band wow. and so it was like a really you know it was a it was a shred fest yeah you know? and <laughs> yeah and, and 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 including tony mcalpine on that and just you know and the fun part was being on the road and watching the world go to shit in real time you know mm. because like it was it, i mean that's just, just like so you had this, and I'm pretty sure I had gotten COVID when I was on the road too, or like on that like tour. On that tour, yeah. yeah, because like we were in Laredo, Texas, and it was like 97 degrees. It's just, just balls hot, you yeah. know what I mean? And and um, like I started getting chills. I was just like, "What is happening? Right now? It's hot." And of course, in the in the back of the venue, the AC because it's Laredo, Texas, ninety seven degrees. The AC is cranked, so I'm just in there, like on the couch, like, <laughs> you know. And like, apparently, I'm just laying on the couch with like my sweater on, and Tony McAlpine, you know, looks across, you know, and he and he points to me. He looks at the other guys. He's like, he looks like he's about to die, <laughs> you know. Like, man, yeah. And the weirdest thing was just like thinking about like 
when I first moved to Atlanta, like my roommate had a, who's a guitar player, had the, I guess it was a G3 DVD or it was like a big guitar player summit or whatever. Tony McAlpine was a part of that. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching that DVD with him where it's just, you know, oh my God, guitar, 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 there's a lot of guitar. (laughs) And I remember Tony McAlpine coming up. I'm like, that guy's cool. I like that guy. And I just wouldn't have thought 17 years later after the fact, he'd be looking across, he'd be sitting on a couch looking at me going, he looks like he's about to die. Yeah, are you are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I, I, mean, cra- I, I did the show. Did I you? mean, you know, I had to do the show. Oof. I'm not, I'm not going to, yeah. No. Hell or high water, man. Nasty. But. So you you were also mentioning that um you got you got tapped to do a Europe thing in the fall, right? Right. What yeah. group is that? It's well, it's with a band called Irist, I R I S T, and they're this was also planned for 2020 and you know what happened. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're going on tour with a band called Paul Bear. Now, and Paul Bear is is in my opinion like one of the coolest bands like in the metal world. They're it's very doomy, mm-hmm. so it's super slow tempos, kind of sludgy tempos, but the vocals are very melodic, mm-hmm. and there's some cool guitar riffs in there too. Like it's it's to me they're like super awesome. Like yeah. they got they got like a sort of a I don't want to use the word cinematic, but it is kind of a cinematic kind of vibe. Yeah, and um, as of right now, that's still going on. You know. COVID yeah, be COVID be knock, damned. Knock you know? on everything. So yeah. yeah, and and that was due to um that was due to them finding me on Instagram of all places. Really? Because uh going back to my buddy Eric, uh who plays with contortionist, um, the guitar player of that group now engineers a lot of metal records and he's been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to come uh, he asked me to come record some drums for for some band out of Florida, um, and uh, he took a bunch of videos of me playing. And so, basically, fast forward, they saw the videos of me playing, and that was that. Wow! And but that was that even on your Instagram, or was that on his? Uh, one, I, I know both. Both, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. yeah, and and they. One of the guys in this band, the Iris band, they're they're based out of here, so they they actually don't live too far from where I'm living now. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's it's exciting, you know. Yeah. And I'm I'm certainly hoping that you know things are you know keep, you know keep on keep on the same path, you know, right? So because I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's. In a in a nutshell, yeah, I guess you know what I've been doing with that, right? And um, you know, but it's 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 yeah, man, it's it's just wild how the last two years have just been like it's nuts, like you know, and and kind of reemerging and and coming back into it. Um, I'm 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 trying to go for you know quality over quantity in terms of re reentering gigging life. Um, and hundred percent. Yeah. But at this, you know, you can't, it still, it still feels uncertain. Like it's, it's better right now, I think than it's ever been yes. since COVID hit. Um, you know, stuff is not, um, going around right now. Everything seems relatively stable as far as, you know, 
<laughs> the COVID crisis, but right, yeah. I, st- I still don't trust it. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now it's like stuff is just kind of like, you know, like a switch has been flipped. So yep. it's like, there's no point in flipping it off. Right. You know? Right. So that's what I'm hoping at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, quantity over, or, uh, excuse me, quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and I've been thinking that for years now because I've done so many, you know, gigs where i'm just like god what am i doing what yeah. am i doing yeah we've all played those gigs yeah. and and you know sometimes you got to go do those gigs just to make that money yes um but uh yeah like there's been there's been a lot of gigs i look back on that that i'm just like i I didn't need to do that gig it was <laughs> i don't know um i i, I don't want to go down that negative road um no let's let's <laughs> Please, I need to know. In terms of your sort of uh, development and and your journey on the scene in Atlanta, um, it, it seems to me that that two people uh, were just kind of the whole ball game for you. One was Colonel Bruce, and the other one was Kevin Scott. Yes, and I mean basically in the same band, like in Colonel mm-hmm. Bruce's band. You yeah. know, Kevin Scott ran that jam session for years and years. Um, but uh, talk about those two people and and how they sort of shaped you're like you're you're such a you're you're such a sort of mysterious amalgam of of influences um yeah like you just threw out jim keltner like i think of you as a as a metal guy and and i think you would agree you are that yeah sure but um you know colonel bruce is not a metal guy um (laughs) and kevin is but there's so much yeah there's so much other shit in there yes um so yeah just like i mean well i've i met uh, thank i'm thank the gods for kevin scott because if if i hadn't met him i probably would not have still been here because um you know i met him through and he'll he'll tell you as well like probably one of the worst people i think i've ever encountered (laughs) or that both me and him have encountered and it's basically a thing where one night that I met this guitar player, um, who is, where is he? I don't know. But like, he, you know, he's like, yeah, man, come, uh, come jam with me. And this, uh, you know, this guy, you know, uh, come jam with this guy over this place in Inman park. And I guess somewhere in the, in the, in the moment of meeting the guitar player before I met Kevin, like, you know, I had mentioned that I listened to John Zorn, Naked City. And like at the time, that's what I was listening to constantly. Mm-hmm. Because like to me, they're like one of the greatest bands of all time that everybody needs to know about. Yeah. But John Zorn is a mad scientist. Uh, oh, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous, man. But um he introduced me to Kevin at his little jam or his little, you know, weekly gig or whatever. And he's just like, Yeah, man, you know, this yeah, this guy right here knows who Naked City is, and me and Kevin immediately were like, Yeah. I, I, you like Naked City, I like you. you know? So it was, it was kind of one of those things, and we just kind of hit it off yeah. right away because we were both into metal. Right. 
we both kind of shared a love for horror movies too, because he introduced me actually to um, an Italian film director called Lucio Fulci, who makes like his his whole reputation was like Italian splatter. You know what I mean? So, and and I was immediately like obsessed with that. I was like, whoa, like Man. a whole different universe. But I met him and um, his his. Uh, a uh, lifelong friend Tony, who's uh, Tony Stefiro, sax player, right, who is right. a uh, he, he's a he's a he's a goblin man. <laughs> I love him. I love him. So I, I mean, at him. this point, but like, yeah, no, we uh, sorry, we just and, and you and Kevin are in your twenties at this point, right? Yes, and and Kevin sort of goes on to uh, be, you know, kind of one of the impresarios of the Atlanta music scene, particularly sort of the creative avant garde music scene yeah um and is sort of champion championing you all the way through yeah well me and kevin started the jam so i knew you were there kind of at the beginning but yeah, were it, you were you part of the organizing force well kevin was the the guy that um, uh, got the gig and then he asked me yo do you want to, you know, I'm, I'm starting a jam over at uh, the five spot, which is now aisle five. Do you want to be a part? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Anything for you, man. Right. So like, so it was me, him, and this guitar player uh, named Tim Payton. Well, no longer Tim Payton, uh, Prince Azaria, wherever he may be. <laughs> and he is, you know, George Benson style player was just ridiculous. And we would, you know, because... We started the whole thing sort of like, okay, we're going to do standards. We're going to try, you know, we're trying to satin doll or whatever. And then we're like, eh, let's, let's play black hole sun as a, <laughs> as a swing. You know what I mean? Bad plus style. You know right. what I mean? Cause that's what, that's where our heads were at. And then it just kind of got sort of a little bit more out and out as it went. Yeah. And then, you know, then the, 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 so that, yeah, I mean, the jam started with us three. And after that, Kevin kept inviting more and more people to play into the fold. And then it became a big family that we know, you know, so. Yeah. And so it, it started at um, the, the five spot. It later moved to Elliott Street Pub. Yes. Which is where it was by the time I got here. Right. Um, and, you know, by that time in 2016, it was full on, like, no holds barred. Right mayhem yes and like the jam it's not like you know most jams you know there's sort of like um i don't know there's an order to it and people are invited up and everybody kind of comes to a consensus about like what are we going to play what's everybody comfortable with whether it's a jazz jam or a blues jam or whatever um and kevin's jam just turned into uh avant-garde improvisational um completely off the wall sometimes magical sometimes dog shit uh <laughs> i mean you know it's 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 it was a uh i mean but even within that dog shit there was plenty of kernels of of uh nuggets of goodness you right. know what i mean so right. i mean like, I, I interviewed darren stanley about this and he was like you know a lot of because he did you know that jam yeah so yeah, many times yeah and he was like a lot of what comes out of that jam is is unlistenable oh yeah but yeah but within that there's like little ideas little things that you mm -hmm. know and sometimes you'll find a vein that becomes like truly sublime and like holy shit yeah and, absolutely and 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 well no i agree with him 100 percent because there were definitely nights um it was it, no i mean there's there was there was plenty of 
great moments. And it just really taught me the, my, my takeaway from the entire thing was, you know, it taught you how to, you know, really, a really create, understand what it means to create, especially on the fly. Yeah. In the moment, in the moment. And then the other thing is, 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 you know that whole theater saying yes and yeah the improv is it's like an it's like a, a standard for like improvising right that was essentially a yes and jam yeah and it would devolve always into like just weird like theater at some point yes. you know and and that's what it all was and that's what it all is at the end of the day is right. theater right and that ultimately going up to going to Colonel Bruce that's where it comes from at the end of the day, because we're all pretty much indebted to him uh, for that. Right. He, was, he was the king of yes and. He was like kind of reaching some other level of whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for those who don't know who Colonel Bruce Hampton was, um, I, I, I don't know who came up with the phrase, but I think his Wikipedia page describes him as a blues surrealist yes which i really i really like that phrase it it describes him perfectly um but he was just i I think like from the 60s on he was kind of this underground um uh, i don't know like uh you know zappa like the southeastern zappa almost um so you and you got to play in his band a bunch remind me was was there a, a period when you were with him solidly or did you just kind of come and go with his band? It was, it was, it was both. I mean, like there, there was a point in the beginning where it would either be me or Darren. Yeah. And yeah. then there was one point where, or there was one year where it was all me. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was like going through a, a school in, a, in and of its own way. And the, and I say that like, in that you learn these things you learn like whatever lessons it is way after the fact right or you just learn nothing at all which is really the mo (laughs) being no one doing nothing going nowhere that was that was like one of the mottos of the colonel yeah you know like nowhere we are nowhere right now and we are also now here (laughs) nowhere and now here are the same thing man and, How about them and, apples yeah and that that carried over into his music like it was something yes. it was something that he seemed to like simultaneously he took it as seriously as anybody takes anything and and at the same time he was like it's it's meaningless well Nothing he is. well i mean that's another thing that he would say is and he would he'd say that to everybody is like take what you do seriously don't take yourself seriously mm-hmm. because and and after and especially after being with him, especially like when you look at other people too, and this isn't like me trying to judge anybody or whatever, but I could see when somebody is playing, and like when you see them off stage, like when you meet them, you know how somebody is like definitely taking themselves way too seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, and 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 there's a lot of that. There's definitely a lot of that. I never got to play with him, but I I got the sense that because like he was always he was always kind of bringing new musicians into his band. Like there was it it seemed like there was kind of a turnover. Oh yeah, there was a steady turnover of people who would come in and then sort of get what they needed from it and age out of it, and he would bring in somebody else behind yeah. him. And it seemed like with all these people, there was um, 
like a process of sort of like breaking them down or stripping them down, not in an abusive way, but just in this, in this improvisational yes. And way, like Colonel Bruce was like, I don't, I don't want to hear your licks. I'm, I'm going to corner you to, you know, sound like you. Oh yeah. I'm going to get something original out of you. Um, is this is this fair to say? No, that's, like, fa- no, that's absolutely fair to say. I and mean, what like, what is original? Like what comes out of you, honestly, in the moment might be completely absurd. And he embraces that. He encourages yes, that. Absolutely. Like, or it's or it's nothing. Right. At the end of the day, it's nothing. Like yeah. like I remember, uh, like one of the things he would say to me. <laughs> I remember he called me one time and he's just like, "I'm going to take you on the road, but uh, we don't need any drum solos from you." And I'm like, I I, I don't. I don't think I've played a drum solo with you. <laughs> you know, like what's meaning sort of in a way where it's just like, damn, do I play too much? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I do. <laughs> and I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, and there was something to be said about like understanding, especially for me, how to not play anything and let like what it means to let the song breathe. And you hear this thing all the time where it's just like, oh, no fills, just keep the time and, you know, like play for the song. And it's just like a cliche at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, no, no. Like, what does that, what does it mean to do that? Like, what, what is it that you're going to do? What is it that makes it, you know, click? Right. Whatever, snap, right. whatever. And um, yeah, I mean, and those are a lot of different, yeah, I mean, uh, you know. so he was like he he got the sense that you were sort of uh, relying on or hiding behind yes a certain way of playing. And Absolutely, he was like, I want to get at what this guy really gives a shit about and and remove uh, take that crutch away from oh, him. D- you know what I did? I did the I did a I did the most rookie move I could do. Like when I first played with him, I tried to sound like Jeff Sipe because I figured <laughs> that's no honestly, like right. I figured I figured that was what he wanted yeah you know because it's like you know when you get a gig and you want to make sure that you bring your a game like you know 100 percent, you're like ah right there right but but no not really yeah. and it ended up and and by the way it always worked out and the or the way it kind of worked out you know anytime i would what maybe it was because the first gig i had it was like a thing where like we were at some kind of festival and it was like nobody was working the monitors. Nobody was working the sound. So I got nothing in the monitors at all. Mm-hmm. All I could – well, actually, no. I take that back. All I could hear was his voice <laughs> and my drums. And I'm like, oh, my God. I can't stand to hear myself right now. What is happening? And then just this voice like – you know, like just, just this weird like alien voice coming out of nowhere like – happening right now and and you know he did tell me like at one point he's just like god you and Cypher are the same person you're an aquarius both of you aquarius you're here but you're not here and that's that's essentially yeah i'm here but i'm not here my story of my life oh man but that's uh, great yeah but um no i mean but it was it was it was and and i will say this one of my favorite gigs ever actually was uh playing with him and me and Darren did double drums. Oh, wow. And he would go and it was at Northside Tavern. And he says, uh, you know, he say to get, sends me a text. And he always sends these weird texts, you know, bring blanket. <laughs> you or no, he, he was like, you got blanket. I'm like, yeah, bring blanket. I'm like, <laughs> and I texted Darren. I'm like, what the hell does he mean? And he's just like, just bring a bed sheet. I'm like, oh, okay. And we put our bed sheets over the drums, not the cymbals, just the drums. 
I got to tell you, man, that's the that's the greatest, the greatest muffling system of all time. <laughs> and it, it, it really made me understand this is in a weird way. It made me understand a little bit more of where of of like what it meant to achieve a sound more so than just licks and right. all this other stuff. You know right. what I mean? Cause we can go on and on and on and on about technique for days and people, you know, lose their minds about, you know, Oh, your pinky, but you need to like really strengthen your pinky. And it's just like <laughs> all this stuff where it's like, it's like no, you got to achieve a sound. <laughs> right. At the end of the day. Right. And that to me, it made me listen back to like, when you listen to all those old, chess records like Howlin' Wolf yeah and when you hear those drummers like Fred Below and Below Below or and Sam Lay or any of those guys and Howard Grimes right right like yeah like granted maybe it was just the recording of it uh-huh. made it sound that way but at the same time there was a very dirty sort of sound to the drums and again you know it's it's like you're putting on a different it's like a character actor you know you're putting right. on a different hat and and yeah, it's a totally different vibe than just like because I remember like the first time one of the first times I ever played a blues gig was was probably one of the worst gigs I ever played in my life. I had like this pork pie snare, it was wide open. <laughs> gung, 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 gung. It's just like they give me a solo and I'm like, <laughs> you know, just whatever. It's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> You know, and and yeah, no, I mean, I guess just, just should, should have brought the bed sheet. I should have bought if I'd have known about the bed sheet. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you though, man, and I need it, it's that's underrated. Yeah, bed sheet over your drums. So, like with this background of of or this foundation of you know, there's your 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 plan with Colonel Bruce in this uh, blues surrealist zoo that he puts <laughs> on stage. <laughs> And Zoo. and that's you're, the perfect. It's a perfect description. You're, you're doing, uh, you know, the jam with Kevin, which is just a whole other carnival. Um, uh-huh. It it's all it's all open. It's all free. It's all like kind of raw um, and chaotic. Um, yes. And I'm wondering how that influenced or or how you reconciled your metal brain with all that because you know. I think most of us think of metal drumming as super precise, super exact. Yes. Um, so like how do those two things converge in your brain and in your playing? Um, sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. I mean, like <laughs> it's just one of those. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't know if I would be able to answer that properly, but I guess. Yeah, you're, sometimes you're, they do, sometimes they don't. Yeah, right? and I guess maybe it was a bullshit question that I asked because as I'm no, thinking I mean, about it, it's like you're you're so capable of both. Yeah. Um you're you're so capable of being completely wide open, you know, and venturing into the absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh and you're also so capable of just absolute exactitude on the drums. And maybe maybe you don't feel the need to fuse those two things like there's a place for one there's a place for the other i'm good at them both uh-huh and and yeah i mean and then there's a there is a time where you can fuse those things together but it's like you can't it's it's just like um like you you just kind of you you feel it out and you figure out like you know you allow things to play as is mm-hmm. and if something different comes out of that whatever it is that i'm doing then 
great. Yeah. And I think that is, well, I mean, I feel like that's the, you, you, for years since I've been here, like, you know, we mentioned like doing gigs that are like, God, what am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this gig? This is terrible. Right. You know, I, but, but, and then there have been other times where like I'll play a gig or I've played gigs. Like I've played jazz gigs. I've played blues gigs. I've played, you know, all different types of things. And because I love doing it, mm-hmm. but then there's also, sorry, there's also like, uh, you know, I've had, this is just me. And I think a, 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 people can relate to this. There's a form of imposter syndrome that sometimes you may have, like say for instance, like, I when I play jazz, I am not adept like you know Marlon Patton was at right. jazz. Right. You know what I mean, or 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 anybody else. Like you know, I, I will say I'll be the first to say, or Jack Jones, or you know, fucking Justin Chizarek. Like yeah, yeah, I watch one of those guys play. I'm like, what what are the rest of us even doing? You know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I spent I spent seven years playing nothing but jazz in Kansas City, and like I you know I can swing, I can play you jazz. Can. I'm, I'm confident. Thank you. I'm confident in it, but like. When I see one of those guys, it's like I'm. I was never that. I'm never going to be that. I'm something different. Right. They're just. On and, <laughs> and I think that's one of the biggest journey, the biggest pro, uh, hurdles that a lot of musicians need to, you know, to get over. And it took me years to get over it. Is is understanding that look, they're them, you're you. Right. You know, and. Obviously, like I love, you know, like I, I, there were there were times like when I got the practice, like you know, like if I was do, if I was trying to learn jazz, like I'd learn, every, I'd I'd try to learn, you know, Philly Joe or Elvin or like any of those sort of things. But then, like when you actually get into the situation, you know, you don't necessarily need a lot of those, or a, you know, not all of that happens. Right. It's like curbing your expectations of like what it is that's needed to be played. Yeah. You know, and then, but yeah, but like I said, like there have been times like say where I've played, like I've played backbeat gigs or funk gigs or whatever. And I just feel like, man, I just sound like a fake Bernard Purdy or a fake Clyde (laughs) Stubblefield or whatever. And, you know, but I do, but I do enjoy it. And you know, and then there's, and like I said, the imposter syndrome in terms of like, you know, especially like when you're around people that are just vibey, because mm-hmm. that happens, you know, people just vibe and like they, it, it, if you don't know how to handle that, you know, it kind of takes away a bit of your soul a little bit because you're just like, well, well, what am I, what am I, you know, <laughs> you're just kind of left as sort of a, a drooling puddle of, you know, but, and, and, <laughs> I'm gonna speak the rest of this podcast in noises, but um, no. But honestly, like the, the, you know, I've I've felt that imposter syndrome for years, and I'm getting I've gotten over it a lot more now. But also at the same time, I do think it's very. But some people can be a jack of all trades, like a Vinnie Caliuta, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, or whoever, and do everything exactly right. Yeah exactly what needs to be played and then some right but then others need a musical home yeah like yeah which again go into the metal prog rock whatever you want to call it thing like that's what i grew up really getting into you know and you know and, and like at the same time i was listening to that stuff growing up like my dad would you know my dad listened to bb king and bobby blue bland and james brown so he turned me on to them mm-hmm. and then at the same time my uncle's 
are, you know, big jazz and fusion nerds. So like, mm-hmm. you know, turn me on to Billy Cobham and, you know, Tony Williams and stuff yeah. like that. But it was also sort of like an intimidating thing where as a kid, you know, you're just sort of like, you're not, you're almost, or at least for me, you know, it was just like, well, do I have to, do I have to do that? Right. Do I have to be that? Right. And we've, we've talked about this before, how as a young drummer, like it's, it's sort of uh, pounded into you or you pounded into yourself that like, holy shit, I have to learn everything. Yes. I have to be able to play everything. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think most of us spend uh, a number of years just learning how to play everything. And, you know, we get, you know, proficient at least at a bunch of different shit, but then later in life. And I think this is where you and me are at now. It's like, okay, we're not going to play everything. Let's, let's narrow it down to the shit that I really care about and the shit that I know I'm good at. Yeah. And let's really like hone, hone that. So I I was, I was wondering as you were, you know, we were talking about sort of, you know, the, the surrealist avant-garde thing versus the exact, um, precise metal thing. And, it occurred to me that like maybe maybe you haven't been given that many opportunities to sort of use both of those things right. on on one project and it sounds like maybe the the Brent Hines project the recording that you did with him was an opportunity to start doing that because he's from the metal world but he's in this he's doing this side project that's yeah. more open and the recording process was um you know, you got to, you got to just try some shit out. Yeah. I mean, like some of the stuff I did, I got to try stuff out and then others, I just, I just, you know, did what was exactly needed, you know? And, right. and um, yeah. And I mean, that's something I think that a lot of us hope for, or at least any musician, like some musicians are really into just kind of like doing the one thing that they do and they're fine with it and they're content with it and that's perfect and that's cool. But then I think there comes a point if you're really like into what you do where you want to do something that's just loony, you know, you want to do something that's just completely like, you know, outside of what you think you can achieve or what anybody can achieve and whatnot. And yeah, I mean, I certainly hope to that just, you know, that's what I kind of hope to build for is just to keep going for that. Right. And I was, I was going to ask like, what's, what's the state of your ambition these days in terms of, uh, you know, like what you want your career to look like in five years. Do you still see yourself in Atlanta? Do you still, I mean, it, do you want to play more metal? Do you want to kind of find a project that can fuse these two sides of yourself um, on a, on a more regular basis? All the above, I guess. <laughs> I mean, as far as like, I've, I've actually, it was during the pandemic where you mentioned, do I want to live with Atlanta? I mean, like, you know, I've had those moments where it's just like, well, if I were to move, where would I move to? Mm -hmm. And there wouldn't be anywhere else. Originally, I wanted to move up to Philly because most of my family lives there. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get into the University of the Arts at the time, but I wasn't, like, my music theory wasn't completely together. I was just drums, drums, drums so much that I didn't know anything else. But then, you know, I got lucky and got accepted down here to AIM, you know, but because that would be the only place either that I would probably want to move to just because family's up there. Sure. And there's a scene up there too. Yeah. I mean, where, like, where is, where is there a metal scene? Like if you play jazz, you go to New York. If you play country, you go to Nashville. Is there, is there a region or a city that's like the metal place? Um, I mean, you know, I mean like there were, there were definitely a lot of bands that came out of I mean, at one point, there were a lot of bands that came out of California, mm-hmm. you know, like the Bay Area Thrash. 
You yeah. Know, there was, and then there was like, say, in Florida, there was like a lot of the death metal bands came from a good chunk of them came from Florida. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's little sex here and there. You know what I mean? And yeah. and and. But there's no it, there's nowhere that's like a mecca that like, a mecca. That's yeah. Where you right. Go. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. I don't know if I'd want it to just all be metal because like right now I would absolutely be happy going back and doing like other, you know, styles of music once again, now that I feel comfortable with myself, Yeah, you know, and of course, then there's also the problem of making sure I have a space where I can like, you know, really shed my ideas because right now I'm kind of limited in that area. But, you know, within a few months, I think that'll change. But and when when you say your ideas, are, you mean like drum concepts you're working on or? Over- yeah, like drum concepts or just like, um, you know, to be able to like try to do something that's like, I mean, like to me, the goal is creating some kind of original thing that you can say, yeah, I had a part in making that or I made that. Right. Like to me, I think that, and, and you know, that, that is like, in my opinion, like the, the Mecca, because a lot, you know, like when you, when you look at like anybody and I don't mind when you look at anybody, like any great work of art, I'm not saying that I'm making great works of art, or any, you know, or I'm like that level or whatever. But when you think of anybody that's made anything that you really love, like whether it's like a movie or a book or an album or whatever, and you're just like, that's a masterwork. Like yeah. that's gonna live on forever. Right. Like that's that's kind of where my head's at. Yeah. You know, and it's always been that way. And you know, I'm thankful to be able to have gotten to do all these things. And I love being a side man too. Yeah, me too. I love being a side man. I think that's like one of those, again, you know, that's a whole different story where it's just like, you know, you like, you, like when you're listening to somebody, right. That's popular, but not too many people know who the side men that are, that, mm-hmm. that have, that have contributed to that whole thing. Right. You know? Right. And that's a world in and of itself that I, I definitely like. Yeah. And I definitely would like to keep doing that. And, you know, I mean, yeah, metal or otherwise. Well, it was funny. Like I, I asked that question thinking that the answer lay in, um, you know, where you live or what scene you're a part of, or, you know, how much metal versus other stuff you're playing. But it, I mean, it sounds like the answer lies in just creativity and sort of spending more time, uh, creating original stuff that you really feel strongly and passionately about, as opposed to like, you know, uh, playing badass, uh, precise metal for other people's projects or playing mainstream top 40, um, you know, or tribute stuff. Sure. Um, there's, I, I guess like aside from twin criminal, um, there you, like you haven't done a whole lot for yourself. That's like your idea, your concept. And I've, I like over the next few years, I, I want to see it. I want to hear it. I, I would like to as well. I have no <laughs> idea what it's going to be, but I mean, you know, it, it, it would be, I mean, you know, it, it would just be a matter of like, get again, at this point, getting my, you know, getting everything back together after the shit show that we've yeah. had over the last two years, you yeah. know, and cause it's, 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 you know, trying to basically build back up to it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it like, like one of the things like, when during the pandemic like in the thick of it like when i had the place that i was living at like 
it was kind of it was an, a no drum household kind of sort of thing mm-hmm. where I had to put like the mesh heads on the drums so, yeah. and play with the noiseless cymbals that kind of sucked. But at the same time, I supplemented my time learning piano huh. and, you know, because as a kid, I hated it. But then, you know, and I gravitated toward the drums more naturally and I just completely ignored that for years. But then I got back to it. And I tinkered with it over the last few years before the pandemic, but then the pandemic hit and I was really like digging into it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I'm not great at all. I mean, you wouldn't be able to hire me for a gig, but I just want it to be more of a, it's, it's a therapy, A, it's a therapeutic thing. B, I want it to help as like a, you know, be like a sort of source of creativity to where I can start thinking like, you know, okay, how can I create my own whatever it is. Right. And yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of the things that I picked up during the, during the pandemic. Yeah. I think most of us came out of the pandemic with just a, a different sense of purpose. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear yours. And, and I, I think you're gonna, you're gonna do something weird and fucking cool. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to whatever it is. Now I really have to be good now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, thanks, man. I mean, it's, 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 I'm, no, I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing like a lot of the stuff that you're doing right now. It's, it's, yeah. I see the soul phonics are, are crushing it now. Yeah. And, making, you know. making another record in, in this very room. I'm, I'm cutting the drums for that record. Um, so yeah, we'll see. It's, it's very nicely, uh, padded. Too. Thanks. So for those who don't know out there in <laughs> podcast land, it's a very, uh, it's Man, quiet I, I've I've learned that f- for recording drums, you know, just in investing in the room is kind of job. Oh, that's one. huge. Like, I mean, yeah. to me, that's like that's even that's an even bigger goal actually right now is to like have is to have a space. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah. unfortunately, I mean, you know, the, the, that's that's the goal mm-hmm. is to have a, a a space where you can like legitimately have a work yeah workspace a good workspace yep and make the donuts <laughs> you know yeah. so i don't know yeah but, um thanks for coming over man it's good to dude, see you absolutely thank best, you for having me best of luck to you on this on this tour i hope it goes i hope to, me too let's yeah. all knock wood again knock, knock, the, knock, knock something wood. yep there you go yeah. um and in in the meantime you're just you're kicking ass and, and sounding I great it, man. around around atlanta good thank seeing you man likewise likewise there you go. That's Danny Pascal. Lots of great insights from him and lots of laughs as usual. Thanks again to Danny. Next week, Matt Krause will be talking with Al Murray. Al is a British comedian, drummer, part owner of the British Drum Company, and co-host of We Have Ways of Making You Talk, which is Matt's favorite World War II podcast. So, kind of a change of pace for next week, but sure to be interesting and hilarious. So, I look forward to checking that out. Hope you do as well. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.